Hello, hello. Welcome to Irrepressible. I'm Erica Ashley. This episode this week was brought to you by request. I had a lot of people reach out after the first episode with my dad aired about Finance 101 and saying how it was really helpful and you'd like to hear more from him. And so we're back. I had him come back and we moved on kind of from Finance 101 into Finance 102. And I kept the same format. I really wanted to keep this simple and easy to understand. I still don't understand a lot about taxes and there's, there's so much that goes along with it and it can get complicated really quick. And so for me, the biggest thing is how can I condense this to make it the most easy to understand without being overwhelmed? And so I had him really do that. Um, we kept the episode short. I think it's like 23 minutes. We talked about a couple things. We went over 1099s versus W-2s, what it means to be an independent contractor versus an employee and what that means in tax purposes. We talked about write-offs, what they are, what they do for you, what you can and can't write off as a business expense. And then we also talked about if you are somebody who started a business in the past year, or if you're thinking about starting a business, how you can set up your business. And so we went into S-Corps, C-Corps, LLCs, sole proprietorships. I know it sounds like a lot, but really we did keep it simple um, and to the basics and like what you would need to know if you're just getting started. Like I said, I still get overwhelmed by it. So I really wanted to make sure that the information was easily understandable. And so kept it short and to the point. So I'm so happy that you guys really liked the first episode. It made me so happy to bring my dad back and here we are. So let's jump into it. Let's learn some things this week because I definitely learned a few new things from this conversation. So I think you will too. All right, let's talk difference between a 1099 and a W-2. I know this used to really confuse me. There was a job that I worked part-time and when they hired me, they said, you pick. Do you want us to hire you um, as an independent contractor or as an employee? And I remember I called you and I was like, what does this mean? (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. So there are stark differences as to how you pay income tax, depending upon whether you are an employee that gets a W-2 each year, or if you're an independent contractor that gets a 1099. The assumption is that if you are an independent contractor, you are in business, and you will pay, okay, let me back up. As an employee, you know that when you get your paycheck, you're you're looking at well okay I made three thousand dollars this month but I've got all these deductions taken out of it the taxes the taxes right the the FICA tax is one the Medicare tax the federal income tax and the state income tax so uh, with regard to independent contractors I want to talk about just the FICA tax and the Medicare tax so that's Social Security and Medicare and as an employee. They take 6.2% of your wages for Social Security or FICA. They take 1.45% of your gross wages for the Medicare. 
So your employee or rather employer collects that from you, but then they also have to match that amount and send it to the IRS. That they're paying on their own. They have to, yes, they pay out of their pocket. So it works out to 15.3% of of every dollar of wage, basically. And so that's how it is when you're an employee. When you're an independent contractor, you are both employee and employer for purposes of the FICA and the Medicare. And when you're self-employed, we call this the self-employment tax. So it's both sides, the employee side and the employer side, the FICA and the Medicare. So if you are negotiating a deal like you did, and they ask you that question, how do you want to be treated? If the dollar per hour rate is the same, you will get screwed if you choose the independent contractor route because you're paying half of that tax out of your pocket instead of the employer paying. So that's the biggest thing. And when you are an independent contractor at the end of the year, you get this 1099 or actually in January, you get it. Uh, There's a matching program with the IRS. And if you don't report that on your tax return, you're going to get a letter saying, hey, you forgot something. And then you're going to pay penalties and interest on top of that. The one thing that is good about being an independent contractor is if you do incur expenses to produce that income, then you can write them off, meaning you can take a deduction. So, for example, I had a client recently, a a young girl, who she had a a W-2 of a small amount, and she also had a 1099 because she did a little bit of modeling. and. The 1099 was $2,000, I think. And and this young girl forgot to file a tax return. She didn't realize she needed to do that. And her parents didn't remind her about it. And so it was late. And so they called me and said, and they weren't my clients, but I offered to do it for her. And when they gave me the information, I saw the 1099. I thought, oh, she's going to have this problem. She didn't have enough tax withheld from her W-2 job to cover the tax and I'm talking about the FICA and the Medicare, both sides of it. And so for this $2,000 of income she had from this modeling agency, um, the only write-off or deduction she had was a website. And so you take the $2,000 minus the 180 for the website, and that's what she has to pay tax on, self-employment tax. It was like 330 bucks. You know, to an 18-year-old girl, it's a lot of money. And she didn't realize it. And actually, it's going to be more because they're going to penalize her and charge her interest on it. Because she was late. Because she was late. So, and which is just one quick little point here. The payment of the tax is always due by April 15th. Okay. You can extend the due date of the tax return itself to later. But if you don't have the tax paid in by April 15th, you're going to get penalized. If you have to make the payment by April 15th, but you don't file until after, how do you know what your payment should be? You have to estimate. You should estimate. And hopefully you estimate correctly. (laughs) Because if you estimate low and you owe when you file your tax return, then you're going to get penalized on the difference. So the penalties are based on tax due after the file or after the April 15th date. So really you should just file on time. Well, most of the time, yes. there um, There are some planning techniques that would require you to extend it later but you want to estimate early and, and so if you're concerned about paying penalties and interest then you just pay a little more than you think you need and you're covered so, 
Okay. So she was surprised at this, but in, in this situation where she's modeling, you know, just once in a while, she doesn't make a lot of money. Um, that's how they choose to pay her. So she sort of has to either accept that or not accept the job. Mm-hmm. So it's a choice. And so for say freelance people that are out there that are not, a, not being hired as an employee, they fall into the same category as this model, right? Mm-hmm. So they get a 1099. They're probably going to have expenses like, you know, they're, they're driving their car to go from location to location. Uh, there's a couple of different ways you can deduct expenses for that thing, depending upon the circumstances. And if they take a client out to lunch, they can write off part of that. Entertainment expenses anymore are not deductible. So I knew a guy who his day used to be he'd take a client to business or to breakfast and have a nice breakfast. And they'd go back to the office and line out a few things for an hour or two and then take a different client to a nice lunch and then to a Rockies game. And that was his day. That was his job. And in the past, that used to all be deductible. Well, now uh, the baseball game is not deductible. So the rules have changed there a little bit. And people were taking advantage of that, and that was one way to crack down on it. But there would be other expenses, I would assume, that this freelance person may have. And, you know, if it's a legitimate expense used to in some way help produce the income that he earns, then it's a legitimate write-off or deduction. So a write-off. I want to get really clear on this because if anybody's even watched Shit's Creek, you know, when he's <laughs> like, I'm writing it off. Right. I just wrote it off. And people have no idea. What is a write-off? What can you write off? Okay. Well, it's a pretty... Uh, it's a pretty general category. I think the Internal Revenue Code defines it as any ordinary and necessary expense that you incur for the production of income. Okay, there are some things that are not deductible. You know, entertainment expenses, like we just talked about, no longer deductible. Mm-hmm. You can't go buy a boat to go entertain your clients on and ride off the boat. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those things are out. But if you are, um, a salesperson and you travel a lot in your car around town to go meet on all your or meet with all of your clients, then there are expenses associated with the vehicle. And, and there's a couple of ways you could go. You can do a standard mileage rate write off, or you can take the actual expenses. And it's kind of a facts and circumstances determination as to what's better for you. And um, so, you know, business cards, cell phone, um, a computer. All these things that you really need for your work to produce the income that you generate will be a write-off. Mm-hmm. Some will be an immediate write-off, meaning that you know if I uh, if I buy three cases of uh, Xerox paper for my printer, that's an immediate write-off. If I buy a three thousand dollar computer, it is what we call capitalized, and so. It's a little bit different. We can still get the full write-off this year under different rules, but if it's a if it's a building, then there are different rules for that too. So you can write it off over some period of time, but it's still a write-off. Okay, just in a different form. Mm-hmm. And so, um, again, most anything that you use in connection with 
producing the income is going to be a write-off. And when I say write-off, whatever the amount is, it becomes a deduction from your income. So if, let's take the the situation of this model. Let's say she made $200,000 modeling. She might have agent commissions. She would have a lot of hair and makeup expenses. She, you know, if she Ubered across town all the time for this, that would be an expense. And what these are, are they would reduce the income. So she's paying tax on a lesser amount. Okay. Because they deduct the expenses. So, so instead of paying tax on $200,000, maybe it's tax on $150,000. Exactly. Because right. of all the things that she had mm-hmm. to pay for to get her to those jobs. Exactly. And, and to produce and, and whatever to produce that income. So when you hear people say, I'm writing it off, that means they are writing the expense off, taking a deduction and reducing their taxable income. So that's what that means. It's not like Shit's Creek. And I, I saw that episode, by the way, <laughs> and it was funny. Um, I don't think David really knew what that meant, but it sounded good. Because he thought his skincare was a write-off <laughs> and his new bedding. Right. Now, if he were somehow using those products in his business, if he had one, then he could write it off. Mm-hmm. But clearly, he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> don't be like David. Don't be like David. <laughs> okay, so for someone who is a freelancer or maybe started a new business. I think a lot of people have kind of fallen into those two categories this past year. Um, How would you suggest they structure their business? Well, there are a few different forms of business entity that they can choose from. Ranging from pretty simple to pretty complicated. And the simplest thing is to be what we call a sole proprietorship. And what that means is that all the uh, income and deductions associated with that business get reported on your individual tax return. There's no separate business return. It's just a part of your own personal return. And that's the simplest thing. It's not always the best way to go, but it's, it's easy. You don't, there's not a lot of requirements. You can do it. Um, there's not a lot of restrictions about doing it. You may end up paying a little bit higher tax as a result of that. But again, it's a facts and uh, circumstances determination. And that's when you probably want to talk with the CPA to figure out, now let's look at the business, see what kind of money you're going to make, what kind of liability exposure you may have, and then we can figure out the best way to do business. Okay. Um, there are partnerships, and there are corporations, and there are limited liability companies. Okay, So there, those are the terms you hear. And the partnerships are really good for real estate type ventures because they're very flexible in the way partners can get allocated items of income and deductions. And I don't want to get technical here because it's, it is by far the most complicated area of tax law there is. Mm-hmm. But if there's real estate stuff involved, partnerships are probably the best way to go. Corporations are a little more rigid, actually a lot more rigid. And there are two different kinds of corporations. There's a C corporation, like the letter C, and there's an S corporation. And the S stands for small business corporation. And, and that becomes pretty restrictive in terms of who can own it. It can only be individuals. can't be more than 100 shareholders. But everything um, other than compensation, so any, any money coming out to the shareholder as a distribution, needs to be done in their ownership equity percentages. 
And it can't vary from that or else they could invalidate their S election. Okay. The other thing about S corporations that makes them kind of special is that the net profit at the end of the year, um, even though there is a separate tax return for S corporations, the income or loss generated by that entity, it doesn't, there's no tax at the corporate level. Those items get passed on down to the individual shareholders. Partnerships do the same thing. So there's a partnership tax return, but if there's $100,000 of income and there's two partners and they're 50-50 partners, each partner reports $50,000 of income on their tax return. Okay, so no tax at the entity level. C corporations are different in that they do pay tax at the corporate level. Okay, and they usually at a higher rate, although it depends on the tax law of the given day. You know, they've been changing and right now uh, tax rates are lower rate. I expect that's probably going to change. So you got sole proprietorship, you've got partnership, and you've got two different corporation types that you can do business in. Okay. There's also these things called limited liability companies. What's interesting about limited liability companies is they can take the tax form of everything we just talked about. Sole proprietorship, a partnership, a C corporation, or an S corporation. And there are some, some nice advantages to having an LLC and making the election to tax it as one of these other entities, depending upon what kind of business it is. So it could be a single member LLC or a sole proprietor. Um, and those things are big with investments, you know, investment groups. If you have some money you want to invest it and you know somebody who's got, say, a mobile home park, you can form a single member LLC to be the investor in this other partnership okay, or, or LLC that's taxed as a partnership. So they're, they're very flexible. Um, used to be not that long ago, I wasn't really advising limited liability companies because they're relatively new compared to the other forms of business. And there's not as much case law, so tax case law, when people taking positions and, you know, the Internal Revenue Code is written, the regulations are written to kind of give guidance as to how you interpret and um, uh, administer things in the Internal Revenue Code. And so a lot of those regulations uh, either haven't been written or they're proposed, but they're not final. And so you kind of have this loosey-goosey gray land of you know, what really is the right thing to do. So you have to kind of navigate through that, and it can be tricky. Mm-hmm. But um, I believe that's changing now. And so my preferred thing is to set up an LLC and then have it taxed usually as an S corporation if it's any kind of just standard type business. There are pros and cons of all of them. Mm-hmm. And again, you just need to talk with somebody who knows about these things to figure out what fits your circumstances the best. How do you know when you should create one of these? That's a good question. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure the best way to answer that. I think what can happen is you get some people who maybe they have a hobby and they're pretty good at making a widget. And somebody says, you know, you really got to sell those widgets. And so maybe they're in their shop, you know, making these widgets. And, and well, you know, I could, I could do that. I can make some more. And I know, I know Joe will buy one and Barbara over here or whatever. So they turn it into a business. And I 
I kind of like for these new things starting out as a sole proprietorship and kind of let people get their feet wet in being in business because I've known a lot of people over the years that think it's just so glamorous to be in business that, you know, it's this, I want to be in business just to be in business because of the prestige and the ego. And I can say I'm the president of this company or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's a bunch of hooey, I think, but I think people should get in and kind of get their feet wet and see if they really want to be in that business. And then if they do, and again, depending upon you know, what kind of business it is, do they have certain liability exposure here or there? Um, if they're going to take it seriously, and if it looks like it can really get some traction and become a viable business, then uh, I think at that point, and I think they should be talking with an advisor, you know, not long after they get into the same you know, it, it's worth an hour consultation fee to just say, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. What do you think? And then they can get some good feedback and then maybe generate a relationship out of that, that they kind of stay in touch periodically. And, you know, you, you pay for a meeting, you know, once or twice a year, say, here's where I'm at. What do you think? I think that's the best way to proceed because then you um, can kind of have real-time guidance, I think. Okay. That makes sense. So basically, when in doubt, ask somebody I think if you're not idea. sure. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. You know, and it's, you know, if if you are considering an enterprise that's going to generate money, you should be willing to spend a little money to investigate, you know, what that looks like and, and how best to do it. You don't want to do it, you know, in a halfway sort of method. You want to, you want to do it the right way. And most people aren't familiar with accounting and tax stuff, so they really don't know what all that means. Interestingly, I had this client who came to me to sell his business for him through my brokerage company. And my partner and I started looking at his books and things weren't looking all that great. And I asked him a lot of questions and I was kind of appalled at the condition of the books and the the results that this company was um, producing, they weren't good. But he kind of hit this wall and he wanted to be out. He thought there was some value there, even though it was losing money. So he started looking at it. And I, and he was using a CPA. And this is kind of one of the problems I have here is that the CPA was AWOL in my opinion, because this thing was producing big losses. It's just a small company, big losses. and when we got in and started looking at things, it was a manufacturing company. They made uh, wood pellets or uh, stoves. Uh, pellet stoves, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and so I said, okay, show me your costing models. I want to see how you, how you cost your product and how do you price it. So he, this guy gave me what he came up with, and I'm looking at it. It's like I'm shaking my head thinking, this is terrible. These are these are not right, not even close. He wasn't. He didn't know what his costs, his true costs were to produce these pellets. Mm. His selling price did not even cover his real costs of the direct costs of making the pellets, let alone the variable costs. So there's no way you can make money doing that. Mm-hmm. So when I saw that, and I started working with him about how you can um, restructure all this thing, and he had to go back and restructure a bunch of agreements with his customers. Mm. Um, and he raised his prices. And so we, we made that change. And, but then it took about six weeks and the thing started humming along. I mean, it really started rocking. And so 
um, people, you know, if they don't understand accounting, they may not get the right information upon which they're making very serious decisions. Mm -hmm. So it's always good to have somebody else looking at it in areas where you're weak. And and just because you're weak in one area doesn't mean you're a bad business person, Mm -hmm. anything like that. It just means you don't have experience with it. Mm -hmm. And accounting, I feel, is very much like a second language. You know, you either know it or you don't know it. Mm -hmm. And, And accounting is kind of that way. And a real mediocre bookkeeper can throw out some buzzwords and make you think they know everything about bookkeeping when in fact they may know nothing at all about it. If you don't know, you hire them, your books end up in a big mess, you're behind in your tax payments, it'd be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you want to definitely look for a CPA that has a good reputation. Maybe people you know that have used these people for a while. Um, that you know are doing good business. That you know are doing well. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. (laughs)